Yes, sir. All right. Welcome to another edition and the comeback episode of Ooh. Area 11. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Keka, and the other host right above me is... Matt Baitler. You know how you guys feeling. We, we back. We back. We have, we have a very special uh, episode today. We have a couple guests that are uh, basketball aficionados, two of my best wow. friends uh, back from college. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourselves to the, the Area 11 uh, fan base. Ronnie, after you. All right. Um, so, guys, I'm Ronnie Miller. Uh, known Kyle for a couple years and uh, just excited to come on and talk fall. We got uh, season starting tomorrow and happy to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. No problem. And I am Josh Bragg. Some people call me Shua. Some people call me Shua Buckets. It's all the same to me. Um, but I've uh, been into basketball ever since I was a wannabe NBA 2K GM. And uh, I'm glad to be on the show today. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Matt, for having us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How you guys feeling? Good. Great. Yeah. yeah excited. Uh, excited for the season tomorrow, man. Definitely. Definitely. Honestly, keep forgetting us tomorrow because it usually starts on a Thursday. So, yeah. That's true. That's true. But yeah. All right. Well, we are very excited to have you guys on. I, I'm, I'm sure that we uh, will hear a lot of good perspectives today on, on a lot of different things. We had a great episode today. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things that happen in the off season, and then we're going to uh, make our uh, award predictions uh, for the season, as well as our championship picks. And then we are also going to be talking about some favorite Bulls players of the 2010s, uh, which is going to be super exciting uh, as well. And then to uh, cap it all up, we're going to be doing a music bracket for the one and only Post Malone. Post Malone. So before we get to all that, uh, I think we should start with one of the biggest things that happened in the NBA offseason. Uh, one of the best players in the NBA and one of the best players of the past at least 30 years, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, superstar for the Milwaukee Bucks, um, recently agreed to a five-year Supermax extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it has been seen as a win, uh, not only for himself, but also for the league at large. So I'm going to start with Ronnie. What are your thoughts on the uh, Giannis Supermax ex- uh, extension heading into this year? So obviously big win for the Bucks. Um, Giannis is probably the best player in their franchise history, which kind of says a lot uh, seeing Robertson and some of those. Lou Alcindor. Yeah, Lou Alcindor. Alcindor, is that how you say it? Yes. That's how yep. I say it. Shameful. Pre, uh, pre, but, uh, pre-Kareem. Sorry, I'm good. Yes, pre-Kareem. yes, pre-Kareem. Um, but, yeah, Giannis is just amazing. Um, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's had such success since he came in. Um, it, it seems like he's had a 10-year career already, but he's still so young. Um I, I do think part of it is a little overblown, though, um, just from a trend that we're seeing uh, where you can ask for an extension, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be spending the entirety of that uh, that term in, in a city. But um, it's it's one less thing that Bucks management has to worry about and Bucks fans have to worry about going forward. That's all true. I, I, I think personally um... – I, you know, their their front office, I think, has shown Giannis that they are committed to to winning, and I I I think that with the addition of Drew Holiday as well, I think that's that's going to give Giannis a, you know another player alongside Chris Middleton to uh, hopefully compete for a championship. And I I think that for for from the league's perspective, I think it shows that the collective bargaining agreement works because because one of the most recent CBAs was allowing 
superstars to sign supermax extensions in their home cities if you're not like los angeles um you know chicago new york like a super big market that's what the supermax is designed for and it shows that that kind of deal works so i'm really happy for Giannis and for yeah his, and, 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 um, and and for the league at large yeah and I, I think the jury is still out on if supermaxes are um you know like the right move for the league just because of the intent the intent of them and like the five-year supermax was to keep these homegrown stars at home instead of, you know, like bolting to LA, like Anthony Davis did or forced his way to, and, you know, like keeping Paul George and Indiana and that sort of thing. So I think the jury is still out uh, in terms of where the supermax supermax lies in the CBA. But I think that this is definitely a point in, you know, like the small markets direction where um, if he didn't sign this and he did make his way to the heat or something of that nature, then I think it really would have, made it seem like you know the supermax was not worth it and, and ronnie mentioned that it's been a long time coming for Giannis, and i just want to share what is my favorite uh video of Giannis? i remember when he was drafted um if i can share my screen here let me see uh <laughs> this is my favorite uh video clip of Giannis. oh here. yeah I know oh, this, yeah. When, <laughs> this is when he was being drafted um so yeah i'm just gonna let him take it away from here hopefully the audio is loud enough Oh, that was not as long as I thought it was going to be, but it's just amazing to see how he came from that skinny Greek player in the second league to two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, and maybe champion one day. We'll see. But He's come a long way. Yeah, he's come a long way. Matt, what are your thoughts? Matt. Oh yeah, my my audio cut out. My bad. Oh no, you good. Um, yeah, no. Nah, just to to kind of echo what they said, I I completely agree. Uh, my thing is that I always talk about is that I feel that, um, you know, he is one of the best players, um, on the Bucks as of now, probably in history as well too. And you know, my main thing is that he needs help. And I know like this year they probably, um, in previous years, you know, with Giannis on the team. They have some some good supporting pieces, um, and this year I feel like they, they definitely made a, a leap forward. Um, but you know, kind of to add to his you know five five year max, I feel like he needs help, um, and not just by getting you know players like uh, they did this year, but like true superstars. Um, and again, they're in the East, so you don't need a. a really a big three to compete as if you're out in the West. All you need is one more person to help them out. And if you're lucky, you can get a third person to, to that roster. But, um, you know, if they really want to compete and go far and get over like that, that hump, um, I feel like he, he needs some help, but um, I do think he, he deserved it. Um, he's a great player and uh, yeah. Great, great person too. I, you know, just that, just that mindset of, of him really claiming Milwaukee as like his second home. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, it, it was, it was, it was an article that I read not too long ago about how he considers Milwaukee to be kind of um, in a lot of ways, kind of similar to his home in Greece. And I thought that because Giannis is so family centric and for him to really consider Milwaukee, that kind of like home base, 
Um, I just know that Miami Heat fans everywhere are probably crying right now because uh, they, they they probably thought they had a chance at Giannis. But I don't think Giannis is, is really built like that. I, I, I don't think that he's built in terms of wanting to pair up with different. other. Yeah, he's built different. That 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 kind of mindset, just, you know, growing up in a completely different culture. I think that has allowed him to kind of come into the league with this sense of I feel like I'm loyal to this franchise and I want to deliver them a championship or multiple championships. Um, I think the jury is still out on whether Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can be, uh, you know, championship level uh, players in terms of supporting Giannis as, you know, he is a, you know, you know, a great phenomenal player, but I think this is a step forward. And I I think like Ronnie said, I think it's going to be a huge sigh of relief for the franchise and for the city in general. So um, I think it's, I think it's a win. I think we should go further in depth in terms of their off season. Um, It was obviously an interesting one because, we thought it was going to look a lot different after, you know, they uh, looked like they had Bogdan Bogdanovich, but they didn't. So, <laughs> and now they don't have a second round pick as well. So um, overall, personally, I think that I would grade their off season kind of like a C plus B minus. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's really strong in the short term because I think Drew Holiday is a significant upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. I agree. Not only in the regular season, I think he's a little bit better, but in the playoffs, I think they'll really make a difference mm. because when it comes to play, when it comes to the playoffs, I feel like um, the good coaches will target the players that have like significant flaws in them. Mm-hmm. I think Eric Pletz is a good example of that, where uh, we we all know of him as this really tough, tenacious, uh, defensive guy, like kind of guy, and he makes all defensive first teams for a reason, but you know, the teams will just sag like Nick nurse can just sag off of him in the playoffs and just pack the line against Giannis. And that's what the heat did as well. So, so I think that drew Holiday gives them a little bit more offense, but he's actually even a defensive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe as well. Mm-hmm. And um, just in general, I think uh, the rest of the moves I was not too fond of, I would have lo- loved Bogdan for them, but obviously that didn't happen. And they ended up signing guys, signing guys like Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine and, wasn't a big fan of those moves, but I was wondering what you guys thought of them. So, See, I, I kind of disagree with you. Um, I kind of look at what they had last season, and I say, what did they really lose? Like, what did they really get worse at? They lost George Hill. Um, that, I think that's a big loss. So, um, and I think they upgraded it for both of those guys. I think Drew, uh, Drew Holiday is an upgrade. And I actually think DJ Augustine is significantly better than George Hill at this stage of their careers. Um, and bench pieces, I actually like the Bobby Portis trade or the Bobby what? Portis signing. I mean, Crazy. Um, I think that it's it's exactly what Bobby's meant for. Uh, he was never meant to be a big minutes starter. Uh, he was never meant to like completely carry or anchor a, a defense. But if you put him next to Brooke Lopez or you put him next to Giannis, they can kind of cover up for his defensive shortcomings and he can be instant offense. Uh, I think he's a, a more um, perimeter friendly, like Enos Cantor type, like Enos Cantor, you sign him only for his bench offense. He's not going to contribute much yes. else. Uh, I think Bobby's much the same way, but he can get his offense both from the perimeter and the paint. I yeah. Would, I, oh, 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 sorry, Matt, go. No, yeah, I would say I, I can see both sides. And I think sometimes, um, you know, players, 
pan out differently when you get them around other players. Um, and I think that, you know, Bobby Portis in the past years, you know, we've seen him and he's kind of been this eh, player. But, you know, I feel like, you know, now that he's um, on the team like the Bucks, it can kind of give them that that surge to kind of push forward and, and transform to something that we've never seen before. Um, so I guess, you know, it all depends on, on yeah. you know, how player chemistry is and, um, you know, how – you know the season pans out and, and how they you know move the ball and all that so it should be interesting yeah I, I definitely think bud gets the best out of his players especially in the regular season so um i think it i i wasn't a fan of the setting but i can i can definitely see it work but i i think the thing that will kill them in the future and that's why i think it was a good move in the short term is the fact that they gave up pretty much every draft pick they they had yeah, to get drew yeah. holiday so um drew holiday is a special player but i mean you just look through that laundry list of picks that they gave up and you're stuck to be like, wow. That, I think at that point you don't frame it as you gave up those picks for Drew Holiday. It's you gave up those picks to keep yeah. Giannis around. Yeah. And I think Very that's true. how Bucks management and Bucks fans are going to like, that's how they're going to justify it. And that's how they're going to yeah. come to terms with it. Mm. Um, now it's not something I would recommend for every team <laughs> around the league uh, yeah. just to keep a superstar. But when you have one of the top five players in the league, yeah. You do everything you can to keep him happy and keep him where he's at. Yeah, and it definitely it definitely looks a lot better that they you know signed Giannis to the supermax, and I, it maybe it was conditional upon the trade or whatnot. We'll never know that, but definitely looks a lot better now. Very good points. I think we can all agree that Milwaukee is going to definitely be a top two, top three seed, probably top two. I think that uh, you know when it comes down to to the regular season, we all know that they're they're going to make the playoffs and be a top seed, but. Um, are they going to be able to take that next step? So yeah. we'll definitely see about that. Uh, speaking of uh, player chemistry, like Matt was talking about uh, about a minute and a half earlier, we're going to transition to the Detroit Pistons offseason. Oh, um, oh, oh, man. Oh. So, the, so just to give a brief outline before man. we go into our, our, our conversation, <laughs> the, oh. the Pistons – who've been one of those middling franchises where they've been kind of good, kind of bad in recent years. They, you know, either make the playoffs as an eight or seven seed, get bounced out or miss the playoffs completely. They had a very busy off season. It has been widely recognized. They've had a decent draft, but their other moves have been listed as either highly questionable or kind of in between. So for this one, because Matt is, is a native of Detroit, I'm going to give him the ball to uh, talk about his hometown team for a second. So Matt, you want to take the floor? You know, prior to the draft, we've seen numerous, numerous, you know, mock drafts. And as a fan, I really wanted LaMelo Ball. Um, come draft day, as you guys know, that didn't happen. <laughs> he goes to a team where they have 10 other guards. Buzz City. Why? I don't know. But he's there. I honestly, and it's not even me like being biased because I'm a Pistons fan, but I really do feel like he, him going to Detroit and having Derrick Rose as a mentor um, and him kind of only being like the two, him and Derrick Rose being like the two main guards on that team, I felt like his progress may have come faster. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm satisfied with our seventh-round pick. I think we had the seventh-round pick. Um Killian Hayes, he, you know what I'm saying? He's a decent player um, so far in preseason. Um, he was hooping uh, over in France. Um, I think, what, he's like 19 years old? Yeah, he's, he's, he's super young, yeah. 
So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? He he has potential. He has room, room to grow. And like I said, I feel like Derrick Rose being your mentor, like you really can't lose when it comes to that. It's Derrick Rose for crying out loud. So, um, so that's that. As far as our offseason, um, I think I read something where our Troy Weaver, which is the GM, made a whole bunch of like he just got a whole, made a whole bunch of trades with under like 72 hours or something like like 14 or 20 something trades in 72 hours. That's nuts. Um, it was a whirlwind. Exactly. And also, um he uh I think only four players that remain from last year's um roster um onto this year and everybody's completely new. Um so that's that and my, my last thing is is we have a lot of big man now i don't know what the plan is for that because I, I thought that they would have been gone by now but it seems that they're not we had leangelo ball i don't know if that was just for for you know hype or, or what but they got rid of him i think he would have turned out decent but they they thought otherwise um if i had to give it a uh, a grade I don't know, man. B, maybe a B minus. Getting Jeremy Grant, getting Mason Plumley. Oh. Um, it's a high grade right there. Just because I, I <laughs> from what I'm seeing so far in this preseason, obviously it's preseason, but the ball movement from this year to last year seems smoother, and everybody seems to play their part better than last year. Nothing really seems forced. Um. And again, like it's preseason, but I feel like you completely having a new roster and the way they're playing so far it shows something. And I just like it always seemed in preview, like last year and previous years, everything just seemed choppy and and nothing really seemed to to move smoothly. And I don't there the Pistons are always that team to finish like a ninth, eighth seed, tenth seed, and every year we get for a draft picks wise. We always get the seventh, eighth, ninth pick, and it's it's not high, but it's not low, and we we end up getting a a, a casual <laughs> a casual player. So, yeah, yeah, man. And uh, you, uh, yeah, you mentioned that they're always around the nine seed or so. I yeah. think after this off season, you no longer have to worry about that because they're going to be even worse. They're going to be like a they're going to drop down to like 10, 11, 10, 11, 12 and still not get the first pick. So exactly, yeah. yeah. And you also mentioned that they have a ton of big men. Um, and yeah, that's true. And, but the, the one big man that they don't have and they should have right now is Christian Wood. And the the fact that they didn't keep that man is probably one of the more head scratching kind of decisions. Um, considering like, you know, he, he didn't sign a massive contract by any means and maybe he didn't want to stay in Detroit, but they just let him go barely any effort. And instead they signed Jeremy Grant to 20 million a year, um, about on average, I think. Which, yeah. I mean, I like Jeremy Grant, but twenty million a year, and I'll I'll let the others talk before we go into this last part. But um, yeah, I don't even want to mention them yet. But there, there's there's just one other center that we'll get to at the end. So definitely, go definitely. ahead, Ronnie or Kyle. Yeah, Ronnie, you go ahead. <laughs> I want right, to so, make I want to make a point later. <laughs> okay, so Pistons um, individually, I like most of the players they have on the roster. Um, as a unit, I don't think they make a ton of sense. Um, I think pretty much every guy they have could be a 
average to above average role player on a on a halfway decent team but when you expect like Jeremy Grant, for example, I think the reason he went to Detroit is because he wanted a increased offensive load that he was not going to get in Denver. Right. And um, maybe he'll prove us wrong, but Jeremy's just not somebody I want taking 15, 16 shots a game. I think that is a yeah. losing formula, um, especially when you have veterans, even though they may not be there for the long term, like Derek and Blake, who are vastly more talented than Jeremy, um, at least on the offensive end. Uh, they both have their shortcomings on the defensive yeah. end. Um, but I think as a Pistons fan, you just have to, <laughs> you just have to watch uh, Killian. Like that's, yeah. that's, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, the sole that's reason the for watching right this there, season. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a Bulls fan, I know how that feels. Like I've been watching just for Zach for the past couple of years. And uh, I think Killian is really, Kobe. well, I, I think even he means more to the Pistons than Kobe does to the Bulls. Um, because I think going uh -huh. forward, he's going to be their like one asset that they can really hang on to. Mm -hmm. And either he's going to generate um, buzz for, for other teams or they're going to think he's good enough to keep around for a long time. Yeah. And so really the Pistons season, it's all about Killian. What can Derek do to bring Killian along and have Killian be a respectable starting guard by the end of the season? No, that's a hundred percent correct. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you said that. Cause, cause even, I don't know if you guys heard, but before the draft, they were comparing him. Like they're, they're, they call him like a baby Hardy in the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's it's and I didn't know until like I saw footage that he's a he's a lefty, um. So that's 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 interesting. And I don't know he he has he has good handles. So we'll see we'll see what he's he got does. that step back move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So regarding the Pistons, oh those dear Pistons. <laughs> I so so here's the thing. I I think their off season in, in in my perspective was the pure definition of a mixed bag. I love their draft. I think outside of Killian Hayes, I love Sadiq Bay. I think him being out, out of out of Nova, how they just how they're just such a great program. I think he's going to be definitely at least somewhat NBA ready, um, as a as kind of like a you know a sharp shooting you know defensive minded kind of guy. Um, I think the 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 Plumley addition while would oh. subtracting. Oh, he said it. He said the words. That he said it. What? What did I said. Said the words. He, Oh, that, oh, well, said the words. I, that, that might've been the worst off season move. I, I, I think <laughs> oh for any team Plumley, And I will explain why Plumley is a nice player, but 25 million for Mason Plumley, where Christian Wood didn't get that much more money in Houston. Christian Wood is the definition of what it means to be a modern NBA big man. And Plumley was is just not, getting started. Yes. Plumley Plumley is not that. Plumley is like 31 years old too. Yes. So. I think he might be a good locker room presence for those younger guys, but in terms of talent, they obviously lost there. I, the Jeremy Grant thing, I will, I think jury's still out on that a little bit. I, I do like Jeremy Grant though. And in this era where shooting, although he has to get a little bit better and, and, and defense are at a premium, I think that he is one of those better three and D guys in the league. So I think that might be a decent addition, even at $60 million. And I think he will grow as well. Right, eighty million, I think. I thought it was sixty. I thought it was sixty I think, over I think over over three. I think it's eighty over four, I believe. But I could oh. be wrong. 
Oh, I could be wrong. For, yeah. Could be yeah. wrong. <laughs> so, and he's still decently young too. So I think he will develop more. So I would have to give that probably like a solid B grading. I do like Jeremy Grant. It is, I, it I, is I, 60 I think, over three. Not okay. Yeah. 80 over four. Um, and you know, something that we haven't talked about yet, they, they, they lost Luke Kennard. And Luke Kennard was just starting to come into his own. Now, they did get the 19th overall pick, which turned out to be Sadiq Bey. But if you're going to subtract Luke Kennard, who's already a known NBA commodity, for a rookie who was not a top five consensus guy, that's risky in its own right as well, at least in my opinion. I mean, you know, because Kennard was a 15-point-per-game, you know, 40% from three kind of guy. Um, so I think that was head-scratching as well. If I had to grade the Pistons overall offseason, I'd probably give it like a C+. Plus. I think they made some good moves, but I think overall what they did in terms of subtracting Plumley or, or no, um, adding Plumley and subtracting wood was just mm. devastating. Yeah. I got to, I got to, I got to jump in there real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first I'll get to my boy Plumley in a <laughs> second, but, <laughs> but I, I I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to give them an F grade for the off season. Oh, I think it was absolutely atrocious. And I, I'm not really one for hot takes or just saying outrageous things, but I, I can't see any positives with this offseason. They lost Christian Wood. And again, this is a team that's been in that really, you know, no, man, no man's land of mediocrity for decades now. Um, and I think this hasn't really done much to change that, but I'd still make them worse off because if you, if you look at, you basically have like two paths to, getting better in the NBA, you either tank or you acquire assets. And uh, I think the thunder are a good example of that, that latter category. But I, I think just the moves they've made this offseason neither have accumulated assets or made them tanky tank, you know, like Sixers level. Um, and it, it, I think Mason Plumley is the symbol of that where he's, he's the, he's the kind of player where, yeah, you can put him out there. He'll, he'll do some things. He'll set some screens. He'll grab some reboard rebounds. Um, but eight million a year, it's not that much, but you're basically just throwing that money away because you can find that type of player anywhere. I, I remember in 2016, um, you know, there was a, a mass amount of cash being thrown around. And I remember some significant centers getting a ton of money who really didn't do anything. And they're all kind of the same, whether it's Bismack, yeah, Biombo, <laughs> Tipame, Mozgov, and uh, I believe Cristiano Felicio was that offseason too. Oh, Felicio. We, we all saw yeah. that panned out. And that's what this deal reminds me of. You know, but Plumley, as you mentioned, might bring that uh, locker room presence to him. And that may be true because he's, you know, the, the one positive that I guess he has going for him is that, you know, he's the he's a really uh, he's a gym rat kind of guy. He's mm-hmm. the first one in, last one out. He's a good guy. Absolutely. <laughs> in, in other words, he's just a random white center that you can find pretty pretty much anywhere to set screens and do a bunch of random stuff like that. And wow, I, I just thought this was basically throwing out money because three years are you're gonna look back and be like, okay, was what was the point of that? Like, it's just to spend money basically. But yeah, I, I give the I give the Pistons offseason an F because. They didn't accumulate assets like the Thunder did, and they didn't make any moves to, you know, get, even get in playoff contention in my mind. So you're like Skip Bayless talking about LeBron. Hey, I don't, I do not want to be compared to Skip Bayless, but I just had to mention that this is a, a really. Or should I, or should I say Drip Bayless? All right, <laughs> moving on to the next uh, headline of our podcast. We're going to be talking about the uh, the biggest trade I, I think that happened in the offseason. That was Russell Westbrook for uh, John Wall and a first-round pick. Um, Westbrook gets to be reunited with uh, with uh, 
uh, what's his name? Scott, um, Scott Brooks. Brooks. Yes, yes, sorry. The name was escaping me. Scott Brooks, uh, former Thunder coach. And John Wall gets to paired alongside James Harden, at least for now. Um, but I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah. So uh, what your overall kind of temperature is on, on the trade and, um, and how it works for both sides or doesn't work for both sides. So this time I'm going to start out with Josh. Oh, you're going to start with me. Okay. Um, so Ronnie and I have uh, touched upon this before in a group chat and I, I'm just not the biggest fan. I haven't for, for years. Um, my opinions on basketball have changed in terms of what I think is valuable in a player and how you win basketball games basically. But the one thing that I don't think has changed at all really is the fact that I have never been high on Russell Westbrook as a player. Um, for me, it's just the, um, the, I, I can't hear Matt, by the way, if you're talking, but no, I was um, saying, thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. yeah. He, he was mouthing the words. I see. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've never been a fan of Russell Westbrook as a player. Um, I, I see the appeal in terms of how he's just such a physical player that, if you're on the court against him, you feel him every single night. But I just think the decision-making has never improved from when he started as a rookie. Um, I think the turnovers have always been really high. And the, the thing that really gets to me is not even the regular season aspect of his inefficiency, but the fact that his his poor decision-making makes it into the playoffs. And as I mentioned, good coaches find a way to target the players who have significant flaws. And I think just – you can really just pull out the strategy of Lou Dorting uh, Westbrook and just sagging off of him and just playing four and five, essentially, where you just let him bomb from outside because he will take those shots and he will miss them, unfortunately. But I don't think it's all. I think with a deal like this, um, these players were on similar contracts and uh, were in similar situations where they're kind of disgruntled. And I think a change of scenery can definitely help in these types of situations. I think Westbrook will be in better position in the on the Wizards and vice versa for John Wall. But I just I, I called them both losers a few weeks back in this deal, and I, I still feel that way, even though I'm not. I, I can see I can see how it might work out. Okay. So before anybody else jumps in, I I want to put my points out there about this trade. I've put a lot of thought on this trade and, and my opinions have probably changed on this specific trade at least five or six times since, since it happened a couple weeks ago. I think that it is a risky trade, especially for, for Houston um, with John Wall, not playing in a regular season game since what, 2018. I can see a world, however, in which this is a win for both sides. And I'll explain my reasoning why first with Houston, assuming they keep James Harden, which I'm not sure if they will. Um, big assumption. John, John Wall, in my opinion, and, and this is assuming he stays healthy as well. See, there's already a lot of being, you know, big what ifs here. I think John Wall might be a more natural fit alongside James Harden. And the reason why I say that is because um, like what Josh was saying about how Russell Westbrook tries to force things a lot. Wall is not exactly the most efficient guy as well, but what Wall does bring is a more enhanced ability to find open teammates. He is a better passer, in my opinion, than Westbrook is when he's healthy. Um, even though they have similar assist numbers, it's also because Westbrook's usage rate is so much higher than Wall's um, from the you know you know f uh, from the um, uh, the perspective of their overall careers. And I think that Wall, you know, especially because they still have PJ Tucker, they still have Eric Gordon. I feel like John Wall, if he stays healthy, is going to be able to find those guys more while also not forcing the issue as much like like uh, like Westbrook does. 
With that being said, I think that at this point in their careers, I think Westbrook is still probably the better overall player, especially because he's also available more than Wall is. And I think in Washington, you get a box office backcourt that is going to be amazing to see once the fans start coming back. And it's going to reinvigorate interest in, in, the, in the franchise. And I, I think that he might also be a good culture reset as well. Um, him alongside Bradley Beal, trying to keep Bradley Beal healthy. Um, so I can, I can see how it's a, it could be a win for both sides, but I can also see it blowing up in each team's faces. So that's, that's my overall opinion on it. So like Josh was saying, we, we kind of had a bit of an <laughs> argument about this um, <laughs> off the pod, uh, over the past few weeks, especially when it first, when it first dropped. When it first yeah. dropped. Um, and I found myself in the unusual position of defending Westbrook. Um, <laughs> I pretty much throughout my whole life, I, I have not been a huge fan of Russell Westbrook, but I think that um, just the way the league has changed uh, where three-point shooting is at such a premium, people are starting to kind of forget how good every other aspect of Westbrook's game is. Um, and I, I understand the argument that he has a high usage rate, um, but I, I would struggle or I, I just think it's unrealistic to find a lead guard um, who averages 10 plus assists, eight, nine, 10 assists, who doesn't have a usage rate, like well into the mid to high twenties, even low thirties. Um, like I, that's just what, that's what you bring them there to do. If you have a player who is a good decision maker, you want the ball in their hands as often as possible. If you, if you have a player who can get shots for other players, then you want them to do that. Um, it's the argument of, to me, it's the same argument of Harden when he had his uh, MVP season where he was like 30 points, 10 assists, when he was like really playing point guard um, and Russ was still in OKC. If it may not be the best looking style of ball, but if you can put up those numbers and do it in a way that is, that leads to winning. If you can, if you can win while playing that way, then I think you can't, you have to try to do that. Um, I think that in this scenario, I would rather be Houston just because of the talent that they have on the roster. I think that they will be a mid mid-tier playoff team I, I don't see them like reaching for the top three seeds by any means and I don't really I see agree. them falling any lower than like six um I just don't think that some of those other teams like Utah are, I, I don't think they have what it takes to to jump the Rockets because with the addition of Wood and um Boogie I think Boogie's looked pretty good in the preseason so far mm -hmm. um they are just in a better situation as a team. Um, but I actually think that Washington is getting the better player. I think I that at this stage, Westbrook is still a better player than Wall. Um, and I would say that their playmaking is comparable. Um, I would give the edge to Westbrook in athleticism, while John is a better shooter, shooting like somewhere in the, like the mid-30s from three, I think, which is miles better than what Westbrook did last year in Houston. Um, but I, I just think that the fit with Harden last year was just, it was just bad. It didn't really work that well for anyone. 
but I think we've kind of gone too far the other way as saying that Westbrook just can't be productive or he can't be efficient. Um, just the year prior, he was putting up 10 assists and just 30 points a game in, in OKC on a team that was kind of talent deficient other than him. And so him playing with Beal, I, I think it's just a better fit for everyone involved. And I think both teams do end up winning in this scenario. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know that for a fact, Wizards fans are, are happy. Um, and I, like you said, I, I feel like Westbrook is the better player. Um, and I feel that he maybe, how I was thinking, like maybe to kind of, maybe it's a humbling experience for him because he just came from Houston um, playing with Harden and have the luxury of playing with other like top tier players and now going to a team where it's like the the limelight is on you. I mean, besides Bradley Bill, but it's, it's Westbrook we're talking about. So, um, you know, I feel like he'll also, you know, provide that veteran role and, and what I've seen so far, he's been, you know, helping the young guys, talking to the young guys and kind of giving them, um, you know, hope and courage and things like, like, you know, if somebody falls or something happens, like he's there right there to pick them up and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it should be interesting seeing how both of these teams pan out. Um, I'm not the huge is, you know, Westbrook fan, but I do think that he, he's athletic. Um, the man can ball. It's just sometimes, you know, his decision-making isn't always there. Um, but I feel that again, being with the Wizards and being in the system, you know, it's a new team, it's a new year. So I feel like every player um, that goes to a new team is is destined to do something different than what they did last year with a previous team. Um, you know, John Wall, on the other hand, I feel that, you know, he does have better pieces around him. Um, but, you know, like Ronnie was saying, I don't I don't see them being a top four team in the West. It's, it's not happening. Um, and that's if John Wall stays healthy this whole season. We don't know. Um, but you know, if they, if they can stay healthy, either I say like six, seven or eighth around that, that spot. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had Houston as, as my seventh seed. I, I, they're such a hard team to predict though, because if James Harden, who we'll talk about in, in just yeah. a second, if, <laughs> if, if James Harden stays, that's obviously good for them. But if they if they trade him, you never know what kind of package they're going to get in return, especially with Harden being a top five, top six guy. It's really hard in those scenarios to get back equal, at least value. Um, so that'll it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think I think we can all agree that this was a very fascinating trade that we don't that we won't really know definitively who either won or lost or if it was even, you know, until the season actually starts. But I think it was a very interesting scenario for both guys that are about the same age, um, have been kind of compared in the past, but are also kind of different at at what they do. So uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Any, any final thoughts uh, before we move on to James? Um, Just on the Rockets in general, I think that um, it's pretty much inevitable to where this goes now, where um, I I think the, the, I think they they peaked when they were 27 straight missed threes away from basically a championship. I think that's when they peaked as a team. That that team was one of the best teams in NBA history, and they just happened to face the best team in NBA history. Um, I, I think it's just all been downhill since then. I think that Westbrook was a clear downgrade from Chris Paul, who's still a top 15 player in the league. 
Um, and I think that now that Mori is gone and they have this new owner who's, let's be honest, just kind of a jackass. Um, and he definitely seems like the cheap type. Um, I think that ownership is hugely important. And I think that there, it's only going to go downhill from here. And Harden is basically mentally checked out at this point and wants to play in a yeah. contender. And I, I just don't see any way that this team can win the finals this year in the short term future. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's know what you guys think. We are going to move on to our final uh, headline uh, that we're going to talk about before we get into our uh, NBA award predictions. Very excited for that. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about James Harden and uh, how he wants out of Houston at the time of this recording. Um, he has said publicly ever since he came back to the Rockets that he's focused on staying here, but I think we all know that he actually does want out. Um, I think I saw a report a couple days ago that Houston is actually still trying to um, figure out multiple trade scenarios for him. Um, but it's also been reported that because of his contract and the way that he is as a player, it might be a little bit hard to trade him. So this time I'm going to um, head it off to uh, who have we not called on yet? Maybe Matt uh, to talk about, uh, to talk about, uh, the James Harden thing first, then we'll go and then we'll uh, go around the room. You know, kind of going off of what we're talking about, uh, Westbrook, I'm not that big of a Harden fan. Um, and I think I forgot who mentioned it earlier, but when I saw that uh, Westbrook was joining Harden in Houston, I was like, this is not going to work out. Two ball dominant heavy players. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's – it just – they – they're both athletic, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they're not um, team players. Is that the word to say? Uh, and so when this whole thing went down, he – you know, Harden, it looks like Harden wants out. Um, and originally, like, when it first came out, he said he wanted to go to the Nets. Um, the Sixers was an option. Um, and I think one more, but his main priority was the Nets. And, um, you know, it, it it looks good, but really, you know, if that trade was to happen, you have to ask yourself, like, how is this going to work? And if he does go to the Nets, the Nets going to be giving up half of their team for Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be crucial because these past three years – the Nets, as of now, they're a pretty good-looking team. Um, they have young talent, and you know they're real—they're not real big names, but they've managed well in the in the past two, three years. Um, and now that this year they have KD and Kyrie on the court, um, might be the spark that they need uh, to go farther in the in the playoffs. Um, but I, I'm just not convinced that if they add Harden to the mix um will that what would that look like and, and how would that affect the team and the chemistry and you know all that so um yeah I, what, what do you guys think about that yeah uh Matt you said that if they were to trade for Harden they'd basically have to give up everything they have and it's definitely sure they'd have to give up quite a bit right. but the two things that they would not give up and the most important thing there is Kevin Durant and yeah. Kyrie Irving. And if they have James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving all on the same team, we've seen in the past that you can fill in those gaps. It, it would, it's, it's a lot like, you know, LeBron 
D Wade and Chris Bosch teaming up where exactly. they just barely fit it under the cap. And then they had nobody else on that team, but then slowly over the years through exceptions and, you know, veteran minimum signings at the deadline and mm. whatnot, they slowly build a team into a two-time champion. And I think that if the Nets were to get James Harden, no matter who they gave up, as long as they have James Harden, KD and Kyrie, then they are an instant favorite in the East for me. Yeah. And even, even when saying that, um, their, their defense would be utterly atrocious. Uh, it'd be a revolving door in that team, but, fact of the matter is that they have three of the most transcendent offensive players we've seen in the game of basketball on one team and you can stagger those minutes steve nash i'm sure could figure out a way to make it work but the the number one thing that would hold that team back of course is the defense um but the personalities for me is 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 what's what would what is the net's biggest problem it's that you never know when Kyrie's going to go full out flat earth mode or katie's going to pull up his burner accounts and start some drama and you never know when james hard is going to go to the nearest strip club and in brooklyn i feel like that might be a problem so yeah and it's a it's it's a lot of dominant personalities on one team i think it would work out they'd be the favorites in the east but it's pretty easy to see why that might implode there so yeah yeah. yeah. i'm really interested to see what ronnie has to say about this too because ronnie (laughs) ronnie ronnie really wanted to hit this hard heading into the podcast so yeah i'll let him talk now so i am someone who really does like harden um I I just think that he is one of the most skilled players that we have in our game today. Um, one of the most ever prolific scores ever. Yeah. Um, and to me, the question of Harden is he's so good at what he does. How much do you let him just take over? Yeah. And I think D'Antoni made the mistake of letting him completely take over. Um, I kind of think that, James Harden for the past, I don't know, five, six years has been the entire Houston Rockets team. Everything that has happened on the Rockets or anything that the Rockets have done has been because of James Harden. Um, and I understand that it's a business, uh, but I do, um, it does kind of rub me the wrong way that he's going about things this way, um, especially after learning about some of the freedoms he was afforded by management and coaches and stuff Try like that. Put it. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. Um, but as a player, like, you can't really ask for anything better than James Harden. Um, his success has kind of varied, uh, but it's been success. Uh, it's just to what level. And I think that's – he understands that. He knows he's a top five player in this league, maybe top three, depending on who you talk to. Um, and he just wants the ring. He – he knows what it's like to be deep into the playoffs. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. Um, and he just doesn't want it to end without a ring. And I think that I, I understand from his point of view why he wants to get out of Houston because I think as currently constructed, Houston just is not going to give that to him um, this year or in the near future. But it also takes two parties to pull off a trade. And I don't think that Brooklyn is very keen on uh, a James Harden trade. I wouldn't be personally if I was in charge of Brooklyn's roster. Um, The one caveat I will throw in, though, is everyone has talked about what a Brooklyn and Houston trade would look like. Um, It's probably centered around Karis LeVert and pieces. Um, LeVert is a great young player in the league. 
I'm very high on Karis LeVert. He's someone I kind of wish the Bulls would go after in, in trade deals. Um, just kind of throw a couple of young players at the Nets. But they have such a stacked roster, it doesn't even make sense for them to do anything like that. Um, I, I really like the supporting pieces they've put around KD and Kyrie. Uh, Jared Allen, he's, I think, severely underrated. And I think um, Kenny Atkinson would kind of tell you the same. Oh, rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace, Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> uh, fired for playing Jared Allen. For but, playing Jared uh, Allen over DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, you can just go on and on. Uh, Joe Harris, um, Karuks, uh, There's they just have players who can play uh, a role and play it well. And I think that really, I think they have enough star power with Katie and Kyrie. I don't think they need any more. I think they can get it done. I think they can win a title. I think it revolves largely around health, though. Um, I think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie personally will be able to make things work. I, I think that they kind of have an understanding of each other. Um, they're both kind of eccentric personalities, but I think that can work out. I think that's been a little bit overblown. The one way that I would entertain a James Arden trade though if I was Brooklyn was if it was Harden for Kyrie one for one and that's all that's all um I don't think either team would do that I, I definitely don't think Houston would do that um especially if they can uh, pull off a trade with mm. Philadelphia um which I, I think they probably could um but Ben Simmons yeah, for Ben Simmons, uh, one for one again. Uh, I think just at this stage in their career, you would take a chance on Ben and bet that he's going to come out and be a better player than Kyrie. Uh, and I just don't see any need to shake up what the Nets have going. If I was Philly, I I could understand why you would do it. Um, James, especially with Daryl there. Yeah, especially with Daryl there. Uh, James is, like we said, top three, top five player in the league. Pair him with Embiid and you have role players and it's self-explanatory. You automatically put yourself in title contention. They're kind of on the fringes of that already with Ben and Embiid. Uh, And I think some of the moves they've made uh, with Seth Curry and some of those guys, uh, Danny Green, those were great moves. Uh, And they've kind of reshaped that roster over the past couple months. but if you can go get James, you do that. Um, but right now, it, it's gonna. I think that uh, I think that Brooklyn can offer the better package for James. I just don't think they will. I think that eventually it'll be end up being Philly if James gets his way and going to one of those two, two spots. I agree. I, I think that if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not touching James Harden. I'm not. I. Steve, Steve Nash already has a tough enough job managing Kyrie and Katie, especially Kyrie, um, in, in terms of just how big of stars they are. If, if they add James Harden, Steve Nash is automatically going to have the hardest job in all of potentially in, 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 in all of pro sports. I mean, managing all those three superstar level talents would be an almost gargantuan task for, you know, especially for a rookie uh, head coach for as knowledgeable as Steve Nash is. He's still a rookie head coach. He still has to prove himself. Mm. Um, I agree with you, Ronnie. I think Philly makes a lot more sense. I, I, I think that um, a straight up trade for Ben Simmons, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure how that would work. I, I think Philly would have to throw in a little bit more, but I think structurally you pair James Harden with Joel Embiid, that pairing to me makes sense. I think it does. Um, especially if they don't have to give up Seth Curry, I, who's quickly developed as one of the best shooters in, in, in all of, in, in, you know, in, in the entire sport. Um, so I listen to Shannon Sharp a lot on Undisputed with Skip Bayless, and and uh, he's he's one of my favorite sports personalities. I, I think he's developed into a great commentator uh, on on live television, and he brought up a good point about James Harden. He said that it takes a very special person to have power and not abuse it. And I think to all you guys' points, I agree. I think I think Harden Harden kept taking and taking and taking, and Houston kept giving and giving and giving, and he did not put a limit on himself. I mean, he 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 has been the Rockets ever since he got there back in 2012, one of the worst trades in history. Ever since he came there, it's it's been all James Harden, and they've come close, but they still have not even gotten to a championship yet. So I think if if you're James Harden. You, you really have to ask yourself what you want. Do you want to win or do you want to put up stats? Because that's kind of my perception about James Harden. I, I know that you guys may disagree, but I kind of like my perception of James Harden is that sure he might want to win, but where do his more but where do his basketball ethics truly lie? And that's going to be really interesting, I think, in the next couple of seasons for him, whether he has a chance to actually win a championship. Um, so I, I think that'll be interesting. So I think that his best fit would be Philly. Um, they would have to give up Ben Simmons, who does everything well on the court except shoot, which would be detrimental. But to add a guy like Harden, who can give you 35, 40, 50 on any given night, um, that might be worth it. So it'll it'll be very interesting. I, I, I think all of our points were definitely valid about that. Um, so now that we've talked about uh, the four major headlines, we talked about Giannis, the Pistons, uh, the Westbrook wall trade, and uh, the beard, James Harden. Uh, we're going to go into our MVP uh, etc. award picks. So um, I'm going to start out with coach of the year and we're going to build our uh, way up. So who do you guys have as your coach of the year and why? I think this is going to be interesting. All right, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, Ronnie, so go for coach of the year, I have uh, Doc Rivers. Mm. Um, I think that based off of roster construction, um, Philly made a huge jump. And while now that's not necessarily Doc's, um, it's not anything Doc did, he's going to be the one to reap the benefits because it gives him the tools to, um, he, it gives him the tools to succeed and uh, have the team succeed. I think that uh, Doc, Doc is someone who didn't, I think he kind of got the, the short end of the stick um, in in LA, I think that they kind of had bigger problems than coaching. And you kind of hear uh, some of the comments that Paul George has made and other players have made about adjustments or uh, the way they were being used. And I think that some of the personalities didn't mesh in uh, LA with Montrez and some of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that their problems were deeper than coaching. Um, not saying that Doc might not have been a, a part of it, but just the year before, we were talking about Doc as a coach of the year candidate with what he did with uh, Lou Will and um, some of those some of those guys that uh, Shea, some of those guys that made up made it to the playoffs or you know what I mean. And so I think that um, he has the talent to get deep into the playoffs, and I just think that uh, they will take a step forward from where they have been the past couple of years. All right, um, I have Monty Williams. 
Phoenix. I think Phoenix is, is a playoff team this year. Um, I think that uh, I, I actually have them as, as the eighth seed. And, and, and that might be a little bit low for a coach of the year candidate um, historically, but I, but context I think is required because Phoenix has not been a good franchise the last several seasons. Um, they really haven't had a, a truly good team. You can make the argument ever since Steve Nash really left. So I think that Monty Williams coming in as I believe his second year as coach, getting Chris Paul, pairing him with Devin Booker, um, DeAndre Ayton, I think is going to take a huge leap forward. I, I think he's going to be in consideration for most improved player personally. Um, I think, I think Phoenix gets in, into the playoffs. Now they will get destroyed by the Lakers pro- probably if, if that happens, but I think regular season wise, I think Monty Williams is, is, is going to be able to craft a good enough, um, you know, you know, really good roster constructions, really good lineup constructions. And I think he's going to win coach of the year. Uh, let's go to Josh. Who do you have as coach of the year? So my coach of the year is also Doc Rivers. Um, so good choice there, Ronnie. Um, basically, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> so basically, I don't like to read into coach of the year very much because it's very narrative driven, much like a lot of these awards. It, I don't think Doc Rivers is, is going to be the best coach this, this season by any means, but I think he, I think the Sixers are going to uh, be better than expectations. Um, I think the spacing is really going to help them out as Ronnie kind of alluded to. Um, and I've always thought Doc Rivers is a pretty good coach. Um, I agree that I don't think coaching was at all the problem, like just the problem in LA. Um, I think that I don't, I don't think you should overanalyze what happened to the Clippers in the uh, playoffs. Yes, the Paul George missing three threes on the side of the backboard is pretty embarrassing. But I think that just the 2020 season in general, just because, you know, we had this pandemic thing and uh, teams weren't fully engaged after all the police brutality um, stuff went on. Um, I, th- I think that it, that especially applies to the Bucks. I think. But, yeah, I, I think the bubble is just an anomaly. Um, the Lakers obviously earned their title, but I wouldn't read too much into the Clippers' problems. Don't think there's many fundamental issues. And I think that they have the formula for playoff success. So anyways, back to Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he's a pretty decent coach. Um, and I think that he's in prime position to win the award because um, the Sixers are going to be better than expected as long as, you know, Simmons and Embiid stay healthy. I think that the spacing will really open up their games more. And I think that they will – I honestly think they'll be better positioned for the playoffs too. But it just for some reason, it's a kind of a gut feeling. I think Doc Rivers will win it just because – you know, we've seen all these other candidates. We kind of have expectations for Brad Stevens and Dick Nurse now and Bud. So I think that Doc Rivers in a new position, if he gets like a top four seed, I can definitely see it happening. So, all right. Yeah, that's Matt, my pick. Matt, uh, how about you? Who's your coach of the year? My coach of the year, I have Eric Spolster. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I feel like, you know, he's proven year in, year out. Um, leading his team to to where they need to be. Um, we've seen last year, obviously, they made it to the finals. And I, I think that when you can prove yourself by with having – when we think of the Heat now, we think of them having one superstar, and that's Jimmy Butler, right? But everybody else we've seen, you know, play real good last year. And I think um, – his coaching scheme really made everybody shine and no one really outshine, uh, you know, 
each other. Um, even when it came to bench players, I felt that they came in and, and did what they were supposed to do. Um, now, obviously, they didn't accomplish their goal and winning the whole thing, but hey, they got there. And it being in the bubble, that was already hard enough. Um, and just to look at that Heat roster, I think is 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 crazy. Cause like I said, like they really don't have you know a lot of of big names on that team. Um, and for him to to work with what he has and, and put the pieces together. Um, you know, like Josh was saying, like my gut feeling was was going for Eric. So that's all I have. All right, Coach of the Year. Those are our Coach of the Year picks. Let's move on to uh, what do I want to move on to next? Let's go to Rookie of the Year. Uh, and I will start this time because I've not started one yet. Uh, I'm going to be a little selfish. I'm going to pick Obi Toppin as my Rookie of the Year. I Obi think that Toppin. yes, Obi Toppin, and I have a, a primary reason why. I think that. Uh, one, playing in New York, he's going to get a lot of media exposure. And two, I think he is one of the more NBA-ready rookies. I think that he's going to step into a Knicks team that doesn't that is still obviously not very good. So I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, um, not unlike some other rookies as as well, like Anthony Edwards, Mellow Ball, other guys like that. But I think especially just because Toppin's going to get so much exposure, um, I think that's going to be huge. I, I really like his game. I, I really liked him at Dayton. I've, I've, I've studied his game here and there. It seems like he's going to be a really um, impactful player from day one. So I got my man, Obi. Uh, let's move on to uh, – let's go to Josh. Who's your rookie of the year? My rookie of the year. Um, so basically this pick kind of reminds me of uh, – well, what I'll get to in my MVP, but it's kind of a similar situation where I think the best player in the draft did not get picked first overall. And, I, and my best player in this draft is LaMelo Ball. Um, I think that he is clearly um, the guy in my mind that if you look at this draft and you're like, okay, pick one person who's going to be a superstar, I think it's going to be him. I, I just think that he has, he has that – he just has it going on offense where he can initiate everything and create offense. And the efficiency definitely isn't going to be there in his first season. I think he's going to shoot below like 50% true shooting. Like it's not going to be pretty there. But I think he's really going to show in a way that Trey Young did in terms of just really getting guys open and initiating offense, creating offense, even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, yeah, I think Lamelo is going to get there because he's, he's also a nice rebounder for a guard. He's going to have the opportunity to put up some numbers. And I think he'll just win the narrative battle with all these flashy assists, kind of like John Morant did. Um, not only flashy, but they're actually good assists too. It's not like he's just fooling around. But no, I think Lamelo Ball is the best player in this draft. I think he'll be the best player when we're talking about this draft in 10 years. And even though he's on the Hornets, unfortunately, I, I, he is my pick. So, <laughs> All right. So one vote for Obi, one vote for Melo. Let's go to Ronnie next. Who do you got? All right. So I get what Josh is saying about the highlights and, and uh, Lamelo is going to be very, he's going to be very flashy. He's going to, he's going to get the eyeballs. Uh, I also, oh, I know this is going to be. I also see what you're saying about <laughs> uh, about Obi getting the exposure in New York. Um, I think I got a guy who's going to get both of them, and that's going to be James Wiseman. Um, oh, mm, okay. I was expecting so, Patrick. I was expecting no, Patrick, no. So that would have been a two homer. To, I, I would love <laughs> to pick Pat Will. Uh, no, I, I can't do it. Uh, it's going to be James Wiseman um, playing for the Warriors, who you can't name a hotter team over the past ten years. Uh, I would say that they're fan. Uh, they're fan base has grown exponentially uh, over the past 10 years. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that team, especially with Curry coming back. 
Uh, he always draws eyeballs. Um, and I think that when you look at basketball highlights, you are looking for dunks. And I think James Wiseman is going to deliver those in a big way. Um, his role on the team, I, I don't know if he's going to start the season in the starting lineup, uh, but I definitely believe he will be there uh, probably before the end of January, if I had to guess. I just think that his skill set is perfect for, for what they do. I think that he's going to set screens, he's going to rim run, he's going to catch lobs, and he's going to block shots, um, all of which are very like valuable role in today's right game. Uh, yeah, and I think that he he's a little underrated when it comes to his shooting touch. Uh, he's not going to be a sniper or anything, but I think that he has the ability to um, hit mid-range pick-and-pop jumpers, and I think over time he'll be able to stretch that out to three. Uh, I, I think he may be able to hit some jumpers um, in the corner off the catch, which gives him an, an added element, especially when you consider what he can do on the defensive end. Uh, I think he's going to foul a lot at the beginning, but he's going to send some some shots into the 15th row where there's no fans, but they'll still go off camera. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I just think that he's going to be a fun player to watch uh, and he's going to do it on a winning team, which I think voters will uh, take into account. He's built like a statue too. He is. He's, he's got broad shoulders. He's, he's certainly got an NBA ready body. Yeah. I, I, I do like his game a lot too. Uh, and Matt, who's your rookie of the year pick? My rookie of the year. I have mellow ball. Um, yeah. I think the dude is a, is a, a, a freak. And I think, just seeing his progression from Chino um, to now is ridiculous. Um, even, like, I feel like the his growth spurt, that was crazy as it is, too. But um, I feel like I'm kind of glad he didn't go number one because I look at it as that makes him play even harder because he knows he didn't get the number one spot, so that's, that's going to make him show out even more. Um, and I think now in preseason, we're starting to see like, like uh, just glimpses of what he's able to do. Um, now, obviously, this first season, I mean, he's not going to go crazy, crazy. But um, I think he's definitely a player that's um, going to be a, a good floor general and a scorer. Um, and not to compare him to Lonzo, but we were all hyped about Lonzo when he came into the league and, and he kind of <laughs> – you know, performed not to what we thought, um, but I think that Melo has a has I don't know he's more to me he's more athletic than than Lonzo, um, so I think that that allows him to to be more you know creative on the court um, and get his teammates uh, in the right position. So um, yeah, I have I have Melo being a rookie of the year. Interesting that none of us picked the top pick. Shows that we've uh, certainly done our research. It was a research. bad pick. It was a bad pick. I, I, I like Edwards. I fear that he's going to be one of those like inefficient kind of scores at, at the at the yeah. at the next level. But I, I I do like his game. I mean, I it'll 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 be interesting. So uh, two votes for Mello, one vote for James Wiseman, and one vote for Obi Toppin. Uh, we're gonna go one on, on one honorary vote for Patrick Williams. Yes. He's, I will. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I tell you what, I've been watching YouTube clips of him playing against, uh, uh, you know, not just in preseason games, but against just like, you know, and just, you know, pop up scrimmages. He's been good. He's Baby been good. Kawhi. Baby Kawhi. That's Baby Kawhi. what we're hoping for. <laughs> Woo, best case. 
That's Jeez. that would be that would be enormous. That that would be enormous. Um, all right. With that being said, we're going to move on to our next uh, award pick. We're going to go into most improved. Let's go to most improved. Um, and I'll start with Ronnie on this one. Ronnie, who do you got? So most improved. Um, I think we're going to see early on this year whether or not I'm right. Um, I think within the first week or so, I think we're going to be able to tell. Uh, my pick is Jamal Murray. Um, mm. I think that we really got to see what this guy was capable of in the bubble. And uh, he's a guy who I had to go and look at it has never averaged over 20 a game in his, his career. He's never averaged over 19. He's like mid 18s a game. And while that's good, I don't think that's indicative of his offensive skill set at all. Um, Especially when you have someone like Jokic, who's such a good passer um, and they kind of spread the ball around a lot and, and you would just expect him and his skill set to, I, I would think, put up bigger numbers than that. Um, and I think that he's going to this season, uh, especially when you look at when, uh, when it came to crunch time in some of those playoff games and some of those games in the bubble, the ball wasn't in Jokic's hands, it was in Jamal's hands. And as good as Jokic is, I think that, his one of his big deficiencies is I don't think he's the guy you go to when you need a bucket down down to a couple seconds left on the clock I think it is Jamal he's the shot creator he's the guy who can who can just go get you buckets and I think he's going to go ahead and do that this season he's got ice in his veins he he was he was probably the most entertaining player I, I think to watch in Orlando him, him, and, him and Jokic, they they truly did put on a masterpiece for all of us fans to watch. So um, I like the pick. That's a, that's uh, a good let's pick. Go. And he, uh, he really got his name out there, too. So that's, that's definitely going to help him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Let's move on to Matt. Matt, who is your most improved player for 2021? I also had Jamal Murray. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, I, I think we – in previous years, we've seen glimpses of what Jamal Murray can do, but yes. I think the, in the bubble, we've seen him, like, not at his max, but I think, like, that he showed what he's, like, all about. And um, I just – I feel like – I don't know. He he played to his his best. Now, obviously, it wasn't to the outcome that he wanted or the Nuggets wanted, um, but I think it was a, a message for the NBA um, – because I feel like this year he's going to come correct and he's going to ball out. And the Nuggets roster, like, this year um, is going to help tremendously. Um, not only him, but I think as a team, as itself, they're going to – they're gonna. I think I had them – I have them four or five in my opinion, like, in the West. But, um, yeah, he, he's a talented, talented guy. Um, he, can, he can pass. He can shoot. Um, he gets everybody involved, and I think you know that's what you need, especially in the West, um, to go to go the distance. So I got Jamal Murray. Just real quick, real oh, yep, quick yep. Sorry, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just gotta give my love out there for Jamal. Uh, I, I think <laughs> that we we always knew he could shoot, but really where he took his game to the next level is finishing at the rim yeah. and finishing through contact. Uh, that's not something that I thought he had in his bag. I thought he was just a guy who was like okay with putting up uh, like contested jumpers and like he could get to a step back and he could sink some of them but he wasn't a guy who was gonna go finish in the lane and and rack up free throw attempts and I think that's really where 
I think he's going to take the biggest step again uh, this year. I think he's going to be getting in the lane, doing some crazy ass layups, yeah. you know, getting <laughs> to the line. And um, like I said, I, I'd be surprised if he averages under like 23, 24 a game. I just yeah. think he wow. has that scoring ability. No, that, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Cause, cause, uh, and I, I like, he, to me as a point guard, he, he, he drives to the hole smartly, smart. Um, and like, I, I said this to Kyle Newman, talking about Russell Westbrook. I feel like at times he, he forces driving into the paint and at times he, if we're talking OKC, he's had Steven Adams. There was no need for him. And he's not a, he's not a real big guy. Um, but I think Jamal Murray does it in a way where it's not forced and it's not too much. He does it when he has an opportunity and he makes it count. So. All right. Two votes for the, for the uh, version and Canadian out of Kentucky. Good, good picks. I appreciate that. Let's go to Josh. Who do you got as your most improved player? So I think that most improved by definition is like the hardest one to predict uh, because, you know, it's supposed to be somebody that surprises us. Like they're most improved from what you expect to happen. Um, I can only think of one example where it was kind of predictable who's going to win it. And that was CJ McCollum way back when, you know, Wesley Matthews left the Blazers. I think that was the only one where we actually saw it coming, but um, you know, this is, this is kind of like a crapshoot for me, but I, I went with Shea. Gilgius Alexander. Um, I think that nice. I think that the players who typically win this award is from when they go to very good to in the eyes of voters like a star. Um, and I think that's what Shea has potential to do. Uh, I think last season played alongside Chris Paul, people were like, "Oh, this guy's pretty good. He's only getting better. Second year, um, you know, he's 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 only improving." But um, typically, with most improved, you don't really win it in your second year. And I think that considering Chris Paul's gone and they're not really going to be a competitive team. I think he has all the opportunity in the world to, you know, do whatever he wants out there and be that lead guard kind of guy. And I think that if he can get uh, his numbers up from, I think he averaged the biggest problem is going to be that he he already improved last season, but I think if if he can go from like that 19 point per game area to like averaging like 25, five and five or something along those lines, I think that he'll really be in contention. Again, this is who I think is going to win the award. Um, I think that that'll definitely get him some recognition. I think he might make an all-star team or something, but yeah, I, I think Shea is my pick in terms of like who I know historically wins this type of award. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the Thunder are going to be very good. Um, I don't think they really yeah. care because they, because they just stockpile assets anyways and just have everybody's draft pick for the next 35 years. But yeah, I think, I think Shea has a, a prime opportunity to win the award if, people don't already think he's improved enough. So, yeah. Yeah. They, that, that franchise just comp- like, they should rename the NBA draft as the Oklahoma city thunder draft for at <laughs> yeah. least next six or seven seasons. The 2021 it's, Oklahoma city draft. It's, it's, it's just absolutely un, un, unreal. Now I like all those three picks. My pick is Michael Porter jr. So I'm in, I, I so I'm in direct Nuggets. competition. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm in, I'm in direct competition with Matt and Ronnie. Um, First, I just want to say that I think Jamal Murray would be a very good pick for this award. The only reason why I have Porter over a guy like Murray is because um, Porter, Porter, especially in the bubble, he showed because that I, I I'm not sure how much he played before the bubble. I, I like he probably barely played um, before Orlando, if at all. I think the bubble really showed us that he can be 
at least right now, maybe like an extremely low grade Kevin Durant. I actually see flashes of that from time to time, just his shot motion, not saying he's going to be Kevin Durant. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but just the way that he gets off his shot, just the way that his shot is so pure and buttery. I think that is going to be able to translate to maybe a close to 19, 20 point per game guy potentially this year. Um, I think that he's going to be given all the opportunities in the world is especially with Jeremy Grant gone. I think it's going to um, leave a space for him to take those shots. Now he still has a long way to go defensively. He's still, oh, yeah. not, he, he's still not a very good defender, but I think offensively, way to put it. yeah, I think, I, I think <laughs> offensively, I think his back issues hopefully are completely behind him. And uh He's just his shot form is just so pure and it looks so natural for them for him out there. So um, if if Porter can average 19, 20 a game, I think he will win the award. Um, but if 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 Jamal Murray has a season like he did in the bubble, kind of on that same level that I think he might win. Um, I think Shea's also a very good pick just because he's going to be one of those primary guys on that team. Um, but yeah, that's who I got. MPJ. Kyle, I, Kyle I hate I hate to I'm break it to you, but. I hate to break it to you, but I, I don't think second-year players are going to win this award. Well, I, I can't think. I think Monte Ellis was the last one to win it, and uh, that that could be true. That's that's a big point against you there. That that could be true. However, I will say that he's technically a third-year player because he got yeah. drafted in 2018. That's so fair argument. So it's, it's just that the voters see it that way. Yeah, that's 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 that season. Yes. <laughs> it's like that whole Ben Simmons, like rookie of the year argument with Donovan Mitchell a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. no, that I, I, I totally see that point. I just think that Porter's ready to take that next step. So hopefully I'm right. We'll see what happens. Um, let's move on right. to, um, let's see here. Let's go on to six man. I think six man is going to be interesting. Um, and I'll start with, uh, I'll start with Josh's time. So Josh, who do you have as your, as your six man? My six man is Ooh, no, not actually the will. <laughs> But, Lemon Pepper Lou. But he might as well get two girls himself because this man is a baller. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the, <laughs> this pick. I feel like, again, you could pick like a million people for a six man, but I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson. Um, I think that I haven't even seen his name mentioned in this conversation, but I think that based on the profile, again, if players who win this award, it's usually these scoring guards off the bench who just put up like 19 points a game basically. And actually, Jordan Clarkson is a, one of the players where my opinion on him has changed quite a bit. Um, a few years ago, I thought he was honestly like replacement level. Like, why do people think this guy is any good? But then now that he's come to the Jazz, he's been getting buckets, and he's basically been their only source of offense on the bench. Um, I think he's – yeah, exactly. And I think he's perfect <laughs> for that role um, because, again, if you look at that Jazz bench, like we all know that they've got good defensive players and role players for a while now. Um, but basically Niang's the only other guy I, I see in that bench that can produce any offense. And he, yeah, he, he can pretty much carry your second unit. I think that if he gets the opportunity again, fresh off of signing that extension, um, I think that he has a prime opportunity to, you know, score those 20 points per game off the bench and take home the Jamal Crawford slash Lou Williams official six man of the year award. Um, and maybe he can start a streak of winning that award just like they did. So Jordan Clarkson is my pick. I would let Matt or Ronnie go next, but I'm just going to go next just because I also had Jordan Clarkson. What? I honestly, I honestly, yeah. So th this was the award that I actually had the most trouble with just because I, I yeah. really think that, especially if Dennis Schroeder comes off the bench, which I don't think he wants to, if he comes yeah. off the bench with the Lakers, he might have a shot as well. I picked Jordan Clarkson for a lot of the same reasons that you did. I think primarily um, 
the problem with the Jazz come playoff time, especially, is that they don't really generate a whole lot of offense outside of Donovan Mitchell. I think that's been one of yeah. their biggest flaws. Um, but having a guy like Jordan Clarkson who can just come off the bench, just ignite that team. I mean, he he showed multiple times in the bubble that he can that he's the human equivalent of like those kind of like things you put in, the, you know, just like those instant you know kind of meals. He's 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 instant offense. He's electric. And I, I think that he's going to have a lot of opportunity as well, just because of like we both said about how there is not a whole lot of guys on that team that can generate their own offense. Combine that with the fact that now that he has that mental security about that 50 million dollars uh, in his head. I think he's just, I think that's just going to free up his game even more. And I, I think if he averages 17, 18 a game, um, I think Clarkson has uh, a, a definitive shot. So uh, I got Jordan Clarkson as well. Uh, let's move on to Matt. Who do you have as your sixth uh, man of the year? No, yeah, I, I struggled with this one a lot, uh, but not an easy one to make. Yeah, I, I I had I came down to Montrez Hero. Um, now I feel like at this point we don't know if he's going to start or not. I don't think he will. Um, Should at least. You're right, right. But I I feel like. It's kind of a, of a fresh start. Obviously, he's still in L.A., but I think being on this championship team and being surrounded by guys who, you know, are, are stars is going to give him the motivational push to, to ball out even harder than he was with the Clippers. Um, I think, uh, like I said, a new, a new scenery to an extent, um, being around new players, and, and I feel like he, he's just going to – because last year he was, he was going crazy with the Clippers. Um, so I feel like nothing in his game is going to change, but, um, being better, um, and getting the ball open, um, or to him even more. Um, so yeah, I have Montrez as my sixth man of the year. All right. Montrez is a solid pick reigning, 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 uh, sixth man of the year. Let's go to Ronnie. Great you got, so like you guys, six man was one that I had to really think about. Um, and I'm kind of going to go off the wall. Uh, I'm going to the Atlanta Hawks, um, and there's a little caveat with this one. They acquired Danila Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think <laughs> yeah, I, one, I of them, one of them will start, <laughs> and the other one will win sixth man of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so your pick is a Hawks white guy off the bench. Exactly. It makes yeah. sense. You cannot go wrong with the white guy off the bench. Um, no, so obviously – they are both very talented offensive players. Um, they are guys who can come in and just get you buckets. Uh, Gallinari's been around the block. Like we know what he's capable of anywhere from 17 to 20 ish points a game. Um, and I think he's going to play big minutes, uh, whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts, he's going to be penciled in for right around 30 minutes a game. It's just what he does. Um, Bogdan, I think he's more of the guy who will hijack an offense. Like when he comes in, he might take four or five shots in a row. And I think Gallinari is the guy who will play like within the flow of an offense. So I, I by that logic, I would kind of lend to uh, Gallo starting, but Bogdan coming off the bench. But I think whoever ends up coming off the bench is going to be spoon fed. Like whether you have Trey or you have Rondo. <laughs> and on the ball like you're yeah. gonna get good shots yeah. and we know that both of those guys can take and make tough shots so i i just think i i kind of wanted to go a little bit off the wall because 
there's a little bit of fatigue with like the Trez, Lou, even Jordan Clarkson. Like we know what those guys are. Um, both of these guys are in a new situation and I'm just kind of excited to see how it pans out. So I want to go with, uh, give some love to the Hawks. Yeah. That's not a I, uh, oh, yep. Sorry, Josh, go. I, I love both those players. As I mentioned, I, I think the Bucks really missed out on Bogdan. Um, I love both those players. And my, my, the person I almost went with, but I felt he was, felt he was a little too popular of a pick was Danilo Gallinari. And again, like the hardest thing to predict is who's going to start, who's going to come off yeah, the bench. Really? So that's why this award's so hard to pick. But yeah, Danilo was number two for me. So I just love how the Hawks, um, their their whole offseason, I think, was very creative. Yeah. They they I really agree. they really improved, and I I think they're going to contend uh, for at least maybe like a lower level ish playoff spot. Um, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting. I think uh, you know with Trey Young and all those guys down there, I think they're going to be a really fascinating team to watch. I think Rondo especially is going to be um, a huge mentor for a guy like Trey Young. So that'll that'll be fascinating. We know um, we know Ronnie loves him. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So for our final two, we're going to lump them into one thing uh, just to save some time for yeah. our uh, uh, for our favorite Bulls of 2010 segment. Um, so the two uh, awards that are arguably the most publicized, um, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. So let's go with Matt. Matt, talk about who your Defensive Player of the Year is and then talk about who your MVP is. Save the best for last. Defensive player of the year, I got Anthony Davis. Um, I feel like last year he came in second, I believe. I think he did. Um, so I feel like that, again, him knowing that coming this year, knowing that in his head he can play 10 times harder and being a champion, that's just going to make him work even, um, you know, 10 times harder because, you know, he doesn't want to be that guy to to do it once and then – choke the next year so I feel like uh he has um you know something on his back to 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 kind of work for um MVP Giannis uh we talked about him earlier in the podcast uh and you know I think I think he's after getting this this huge deal um he's not going to back off he's going to give it his all um, just because, like I say, he doesn't want to be like kind of sort of Anthony Davis. He doesn't want to have this aura around his head and, oh, you just got, you guys just paid him all this money and now he didn't do none of that. So I feel like that's kind of going to help the the motivational process um, into him balling out and, and winning the MVP. All right. I, uh, uh, Giannis uh, winning three straight MVPs. That's, that's interesting. Uh, let's go to Ronnie next. Ronnie, who do you got as your defensive player of the year and then your MVP? So defensive player of the year, uh, I kind of bounced in back and forth between one, really two guys. Um, but a guard hasn't won it in a really long time. And we've been talking about oh. this guy all offseason. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Drew Holiday. Wow. Um, I think that he has been like the most talked about offseason acquisition by any team. Like Drew, people that watch ball like know that Drew is a great defender and a really good even offensive player. It's kind of gone under the radar because he's been on some like shaky Pelicans teams. Uh, but I remember like watching 76ers Drew against the Bulls, like rookie Drew. Rip. And like he's <laughs> always been that dude. And so I just think that like playing with Giannis, they're going to be on like a top one really 
they're the favorite for the one seed in the East. And if they can, if Drew can just play his usual style of defense, uh, locking up like best player on the other team, best perimeter player on the other team, night in, night out, and they can do it for a one seed, I think he's going to be in contention for defensive play of the year. Um, MVP, I am going with my man Kevin Durant. Y'all wow. must have forgot how good Kevin Durant <laughs> is. Is that because he's on your fantasy team? Uh, no, but he's on my fantasy team. Chicken and, chicken and egg he's going to win it. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. No, so uh, KD, um, I thought that he was kind of taking that that uh, that mantle from LeBron as best player in the league, especially the last year in Golden State when he ended up tearing his Achilles in the finals. Um a year of basketball without Kevin Durant has been sad, man. Like we had a lot of good things going on last year. Um, Zion's rookie year, uh, Giannis, AD, guys popping up like Bam and Ingram that you weren't really sure was going to happen. But man, I miss watching Kevin Durant play basketball. And so I'm very excited to watch him. Um, they, in my opinion, I think they are going to give the, uh, the Bucks a serious run for their money for the East. Um, I just think that the surrounding players are too good, but I don't think that um, AD was my other kind of pick for MVP, but I just don't know if they're going to play enough games, him or LeBron. I think that they kind of know what they got on that team. They know that they got better as a team um, and they're just kind of going to sit back and wait till the playoffs. But I think that this Nets team does not know um, how things are going to work out. And so they're going to have to work through some games, work through some struggles. And I think KD is going to have to play pretty much all of the games. Um, he might get a couple of days of rest here and there, but I think between him just being back, being healthy and him playing a lot of games uh, that he's going to come back strong and win that MVP. I miss Kevin Durant too. It's been yes, way sir. too long. He's, he's my second favorite player of this generation. So uh, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Josh, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, who you got? So I, I think I remember Matt saying that, oh, we all, we all know Jimmy Butler is like that one star in Miami that we all know about it. Like he's, he's the guy in Miami. But right. I actually think that he is not the best player in Miami. We love Jimmy Butler. But I think Bam Adebayo <laughs> is the best player in Miami, and he's going to be the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I think that he's just um, – again, he – Again, Kyle was talking about the fits the modern profile of an NBA player. I think yes. Bam Adebayo is exactly that. I think he's like the most well-rounded uh, big man outside of Nikola Jokic in terms of, uh, you know, his his ability to finish, his ability to pass the ball, rebound, block, uh, you know, switch onto screens. Uh, basically, yeah, his switchability and just his overall defensive presence. I feel like um, I, I don't know if he is the best defensive player. Um, but I think that um, he, he definitely has a chance. I think he will win it this year. And I think that um, Giannis is really the only other guy uh, that I think has a switchability, even if Anthony Davis may be the best defensive player in the league. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think it's going to come down to Bam or AD. Um, I get it, it, it's really a narrative thing, but I think Bam really showcased his, what he's got on his profile in the bubble. And I think that's really going to help him moving forward. And if he he's super young as well, so if he continues to improve and maybe he gets those assist numbers or uh, uh, block and steal num numbers up even more, 
and he's just like a fancy stud or something that maybe he'll get that narrative going to and it'll, it'll feel rewarding because he really is one of the best defensive defensive players in the NBA. So yeah, Bam is my depoy. And then my MVP, I'm surprised this hasn't been picked yet. And it feels kind of obvious in my opinion. <laughs> um, and again, uh, I mentioned with LaMelo Ball, um, it reminded me of this player in terms of the best player was not picked and he was picked third instead. There were two people above him that got picked that shouldn't have been. And it was pretty obvious going into the draft that this guy is the best prospect. But Luka Doncic is my pick for MVP. Um, I was super high on him in 2018. But I was actually wrong on him in 2018 because I thought he was – I didn't think he was going to be this good. Like I thought he was going to be an all-star level player. But not never in my wildest dreams would I think that he would be an MVP candidate in year three. And I think he will win the award this year because he's just honestly hardened level at this point where he can completely carry an offense. And he, he just does it in such an efficient way. And you every night you just have to game plan for him. Um, and I think that the most important position in basketball right now is your lead guard, whether that's like a Harden or Doncic or LeBron, somebody who it's 95, 96 in the playoffs and you need a bucket, that kind of player I think is the most valuable. And I think that not only will he have an argument for actually being that player, but I think he'll win it based off of the narrative as well because I think there's going to be voter fatigue for Giannis this year. Sorry, Matt, but I think that three in a row is just three. tough to do in the eyes oh, of the yeah. voters. Yeah. Um, and I think Harden already got his. I could see Curry making a, a case for it, but I, I think Doncic has the most clear case in terms of we know he's going to play a lot of games. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to have the role. There's the, It's a really safe pick there. I just think that he has all the tools to be that player, to put up crazy numbers, and I think the Mavericks are going to be better than expected too. So I see Doncic as my MVP. Real quick, yeah. Kyle, I, I just want to say, like, yeah, uh, if you're picking Doncic as your MVP, where do you have the Mavs seated in the West? Like, how high do they got to get before Doncic can get those, those votes? Because they don't like to give votes to teams that aren't top two or three. Yeah. This is true. Now, to, so to, uh, to answer the second part of your question, I think the only time that's ever happened that I can remember is when they gave the MVP to Russell Westbrook. Yeah, in 2017, but that was only because of the average triple double. No one had done that since Oscar yeah. Robertson. So I, that is very true that, that they usually give MVPs to like top two, top three seeds. Um, I also have Luca as, as my MVP, my defensive player of the year is different, but I'll get into that in one second. Um, I think Luca is ready for it. I think the MVP award is um, I, I think more so than any award narrative driven, just because it's the one that gets the most publicity. Um I think Luca really showed that he was an elite top six player, maybe even top five last year. I think he's ready to make an, you know, potentially an even bigger jump, not necessarily in stats, but maybe in just his decision-making in general. Um, I think he's even poised to make a better, a better leap in that in, in general. And I think that uh, Dallas is going to be, in my opinion, either the three or the four seed. I think, I, I, I think Denver might be the, the, the number one seed. And, and we're talking about regular season. I think, I think Denver's yeah. depth um, has gives them a chance to be the first overall seed. And if it's not them, it's going to be the Lakers, but I think Dallas is going to be not too far behind. Um, I think Luca gets um, extra fuel to the flame for his MVP consideration as well. Also because they're not going to have Kristaps Porzingis for potentially the first month. So he's going to have to really carry that team. Not that Dallas is a bad team um, in terms of their supporting cast, especially after adding Josh Richardson, who I think is a really good player. Um, but 
he's going to have to be the clear alpha dog for a month. And even when KP comes back, the West is still loaded. So I think, I, I think, I think Luca is definitely going to be uh, the MVP this year um, with Dallas being a lot better than I think people might realize. Um, my defensive player of the year is Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis, um, the, the, the Lakers are just going to get so much press this year. And I think rightfully so. I think from top to bottom, they're the best team in basketball. Um, and, you know, people have known for a long time that Davis has been an outstanding defender. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's ever won one. I, I could be wrong. I don't, no, I, don't I don't, I don't remember. Not. Yeah. That, that might be something too, because people recognize Davis as a great defensive player, but he still has not won the award. And I think that um, his second year in LA, um, they're obviously going to be a top two seed, I think, in that conference. And we don't know how many games LeBron's going to um, uh, play. You know, he might be resting a lot of those games. And I think Davis is going to have to carry that team at times. Um, so I, I think that that's going to give even more consideration. I think the defense is going to be good. And um, I, I think Davis is going to win it. So that's my opinion. But all right, we've gotten through the awards. We've gotten through the headlines. It's been a great hour and a half of basketball conversation so far. Uh, the last basketball thing we're going to talk about before heading into the post Malone bracket, uh, we are going to be uh, just really quickly going to go over our favorite bulls of the 2010s. I know Ronnie in particular was really excited about um, a quote unquote love letter for, for his favorite bulls player. So Ronnie, take it off, man. So when I saw that you guys want to talk about this, um, <laughs> like the easy, easy pick is like Derek or Jimmy guys who like led the team. But my pick is going to be Joakim Noah. Um, Joakim is my favorite bull of my lifetime. Um, Joe just every day showed up. He like he played so hard. He was always a great team player. But I will always remember like how sad it was watching Derek get hurt. And like I was like, do I even want to watch basketball? Like. I got no reason to watch. Like I can watch other teams, but I got no reason to watch the Bulls. And then you look out there and you see Joe like getting triple doubles, like getting seven, eight assists, carrying the offense of all things. Like he, you always knew he was a defensive anchor. Like he won defensive player of the year, but he went out there and was seriously like the, he was the focal point of the offense for the better part of four or five months during that one season he was stealing MVP votes from like LeBron mm -hmm. and you know what I mean? The guy third was out there, third he was place. Just, he came in third in 2014. Un un unbelievable. unbelievable. He was just out there taking his game to a whole nother level, uh, maximizing his potential as a player, maximizing the team's potential, especially with Rose being out. And uh, it's just the effort that like you wish every player you ever watched played as hard as Joe and um, played as smart as Joe. And, and it, it made you really proud to be like a Bulls fan at that time when it was kind of hard to be a Bulls fan. Like there was so much going wrong and like so much like wasted, I guess you could say potential, but he still made those teams and, and those games a lot of fun to watch. And so for that, Joe is definitely my pick. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just mentioned how like during those seasons, it was like tough to like find something to root for the Bulls because we were so heartbroken by Rose getting injured and then the return that didn't happen in 2013 mm -hmm. and then the return that did happen later that year where he played 10 games and then got hurt but yeah it was it was that season 2013-2014 where I really got into the Bulls the most and a big part of that was Joakim Noah and just that supporting cast there where you know they had that they had that slogan I have a poster of it I haven't put it up yet 
but it's the next man up poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like Thibs mantra basically where like this team didn't really have much talent at all, honestly, but <laughs> it just felt like one after another, there were new players that would step in every day and this team somehow got a four seed. They, they got crushed by the wizard or they got their hearts broken by the wizards, of course. And I'm never going to forget that. But yeah, that team was just, they had so much heart and soul to it. Joakim Noah was the engine behind that. But uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to go through a few players. Um, I, I don't have one pick per se, but yeah, Joakim Noah. Um, I also have to mention Kyle Korver. Um, that, that was before that season. Kyle Korver. Yeah, I, yeah I, have to, I have to mention Kyle Korver because, you know, in terms of real life basketball, I've tried to compare myself to a million different players over the years. Danny Green, Danny Green, <laughs> Brad Beal, basically any shooter. Don't big, tell me like, you're shooting like Kyle Korver. <laughs> not tell me. <laughs> basically any shooter out there or three and D kind of guy, I try to compare myself to. But the the one that people actually did call me in high school during intramurals, they called me Kyle Korver, and then on my sophomore basketball team, they called me Kyle Korver because all I did was shoot threes, basically, and I made them. But like that's all I did. And I remember an intramural senior year of high, uh, high school. I wore, uh, we all had like our jerseys and whatnot. And I had Kyle Culver Bulls jersey as mine. So I really, really enca- uh, encapsulated what Kyle Culver means to the Bulls franchise and into me whenever I played. I went out there thinking I was Kyle Culver. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, he has a special place in my heart as a former Bull. But I'll, I'll, I'll let Matt and Kyle go right after this. But I also have to just give a quick shout out. I don't know if anybody will remember this name, but Mike James. <laughs> Is a memorable of mine oh my because God. because he's basically a point guard off the bench. He's basically a uh, he encapsulates. That's my favorite word. Apparently, he 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 really symbolizes the next man up mindset because this guy is basically a, a basketball mercenary where they would literally call him up the day that they needed a point guard and he would show up to the game. And <laughs> they'd give him a jersey that doesn't even have the name on the back of it. If you look it up, look up Mike James Bulls. Uh, no name on jersey or something along those lines you'll see this picture of him in a basketball game with no name on the back of his jersey just number eight and yeah mike james he he's the the ultimate replacement level point guard i just thought yeah, it was so got, funny that they would really, the they would sign this guy they'd sign this guy cut him sign him cut him sign him cut him just every single night basically and yeah mike james shout out to mike james shout out to another random daquan cook uh, that's Vlad a name Rad. i haven't heard in a while yeah Vlad rad um who uh, <laughs> um marco bellinelli just a bunch of these random john players lucas the third. john lucas the third oh DJ john Augustine. lucas yes i'm i'm probably saying everybody's names now but then uh, again i I'm, I'm going off on the tangent but i'm going to end with tony snell the king of getting 32 minutes a game and zero stats everywhere else tony snell what if what a what a strange person what a player <laughs> oh my gosh all right well moving on i don't on. know if you could top that but <laughs> so matt, tony snell matt matt being so matt, matt being a pistons fan this this might be an unfair topic but if you if you if yeah. you one uh of your favorite bulls from the 2010s what uh who would that person be i got it i feel like the i think i know who you're gonna say the obvious answer is Carlos Boozer? No, I'm playing. Um, no. <laughs> no, I gotta go. D Rose, D Rose. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, like, just, I mean, obviously, we all saw what happened to him. It sucks, but I think like you take that out of the equation, and the dude was a fun, is a phenomenal player. Um, he was doing things, uh, 
like when he first got to the league, that's like like we haven't seen in a minute. And I think that he kind of uh, put the limelight on himself for being like that point guard uh, during that time period. Um, so obviously, living in Illinois, I I couldn't watch. Uh, Pistons game like that, but watching watching Bulls games and seeing Derrick Rose and, and growing uh, as a player he became was just like something that was jaw dropping. I felt like you really can't knock that talent, um, even if you're not a Bulls fan. So yeah, I credit Derrick Rose with uh, inspiring my love for basketball. I mean, watching because I I I really got into watching basketball around 2010 2011, which is when they had that really good season. Um, and I, I just remember, you know, 12, 13-year-old me just being in awe of his driving ability and just his ability to um, just just be just such an explosion out there. And I, I hadn't seen anyone like him, and I still really haven't really seen anything quite like him. I, I, I think the obvious comparison is, is Russell Westbrook just in terms of his ability to just, just be explosive. But Rose, Rose, made it in, Rose made it in art form. To, to get to the hoop. And that's what I'll always appreciate about him. Rose is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I love the wall dang as well. Dang, dang, dang was that wow. ultimate glue guy. I hate to use kind of like often used terms like that, but he truly was a glue guy. He could give he you was. anything. Um, you know, I think Tom Thibodeau overworked him at, you know, 38, 39 minutes night. Um, it kind of, it kind of, it, it didn't set him up for the most future success in the entire world, but uh, for a guy to just, you know, guard the best defender, play smart, give you 15, 16 a night, um, you know, a couple of highlight worthy plays. He was a good dunker too. Um, Dang was one of my favorites. Always was a really good guy to have in, in the locker room as well. Really good for the community. Um, really good person. Uh, Dang was, it's, 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 it's no secret as to why he was one of the most, uh, um, you know, played players in that, in that frame of uh, time. So um, I got to give major props to Luol Dang. He was, he was amazing. It was the end of an era when he got traded to the Cavs. That was a sad day. Yeah. And then he never played for the Lakers. So it's like, yeah. oh, well. He still gets paid by them. He still does. <laughs> I, I, I bet he's loving that for sure. Um, but, yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was a good trip down memory lane. Uh, what is, so we, we've been talking about basketball for over an hour and a half now. Oh, and it, yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. That's yeah. awesome. We, we, we've gone through so much, and we spit so much, so much, so much fiery wisdom uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with how that went. Um, before we move on to our post Malone bracket, Ronnie, did you want to stay on or, uh, to, uh, yeah, to, I'm to keep our... it out? I'm going to get out of here, man. Okay. I'm gonna let y'all do y'all's thing for that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on. That was, that, that, that was awesome. Here, thanks for, yeah, thanks appreciate for coming you, on. Man. Appreciate thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, if y'all ever want to talk ball again, you know where to find me. So. Definitely. All right. Ab- absolutely. You, All right. Definitely. See you, man. Thank yeah. you. All right. Ready. We're gonna move on. Two hours to... later, we're yeah. on to the last topic. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on Jesus. to the post Malone. All right, we're gonna move on to the post Malone bracket. Um, who wants to go first? Who wants to who who, who wants to reveal the bracket first? Actually, I call, I call last. I call last. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna give it to you because you're the guest, but we can head over to. Okay, Matt. yeah, no, I'm the guest. I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. All right. I'm the guest. Let's do I'm it. the guest. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I have it. You want me to screen share it? Yes. 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 Okay. Um, while I pull it up, um, how's your it day is... today, Kyle? It was good. I just, I, just, I, I worked and uh, um, I made my bracket, prepare for the podcast, and uh, ate some good food. It was good. And and how about yourself, Matt? How was your day today? No, it was good. I finished up some uh some Christmas shopping. 
uh, finished the bracket, and now we're here, man. Now we're here. Now we're here. All right. Um, let me pull this up. So just for anyone who's watching this, Josh is a uh, he's he's a he's quite the Post Malone fan. So this 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 bracket should be interesting. Yeah. Now, I will say I think my my overall favorite Post Malone song was not included in this bracket. I just wanted to put that out there. Just give it a shout out now, then. Stay. Stay. Okay, that's a great great choice. Stay um, is, is is my favorite. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm obviously my biggest. I'm I'm the biggest fan of the weekend. And uh, if we did a weekend bracket, it'd have to go probably like 64 songs. But I also love me some Post Malone, and Post Malone to me is the epitome of like that party music that you're always going to remember is like, Oh, when I hear post Malone, I'm thinking college, uh, playing beer pong with my friends, basically. So keep that in mind. When I made these picks, it's like, what's the most post Malone thong- songs I can think of. Okay. So yeah, here, here it is. Finally, you can see that, right? Yes. Nice and clear. Okay. So I had, um, in my championship, I had circles against blame it on me, but I, I'll go through the first round, hit, the first round at first. So in the first matchup, we had Circles versus Too Young. Circles is just that song where it's super popular, but it's, but it's super popular for a reason. It's like when Kentucky's that one seed. They're always there. They're always there for a reason. It's going to advance no matter what it was facing there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Circles, just such a versatile song. I'll get into that a little bit more later. But in the 8-9 matchup, I, I, this is one I went back and forth on in the true nature of the 8-9 matchup. Pure toss-up. I ended up going with yours truly, Austin Post, in the end. I just feel like it's more of a majestic kind of song, whereas <laughs> it's got more versatility to it. But taking shots for me is just the it's 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 one sided where you're only going to listen to it as like a pregame kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to put headphones on and be like, oh, time to go chill and listen to taking shots. No, it's when I want to take some shots and get drunk as hell. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, yours truly is just a masterpiece. I love that song. It's great. Um, and then going down to Rockstar Deja Vu. I think Rockstar is by far the more popular song, and that's definitely one that's been on the radios quite a bit. Um, but I like Deja Vu more. I think Justin Bieber is a great compliment to Post Malone on that track. Uh, I think it's just really smooth all around. It's, it's, it's just, I keep saying the word versatile, but I feel like it's a much, much more versatile song. 21 Savages versus Decent, but I just think Deja Vu is just a little bit better. And in terms of Take What You Want versus Big Lie, Big Lie is a song that I didn't really get into until recent years. I really do like it, but take what you want. The production on that song is just spectacular. Um, <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. And I, I know we all think of it as, of it as like Travis, uh, Travis Scott's kind of song. I honestly don't think it's one of his best verses out there. I think Ozzy Osbourne and Post Malone are what make the song as well as the production. But I think it, it just goes hard in general. That one had to win there. And then going to the top right, I had die for me against saint tropez saint tropez again is a nice fun song it's always a joy to listen to that song but die for me um i kind of see that as <laughs> the sequel in my mind it's the sequel to the the, the weekend song die for you i like mm. to play <laughs> i like to play those tracks back to back um i don't i don't know why but that's just how i like to listen to it i think it's a really good song um i think that um there's just a great contrast between all the artists on it. Uh, I'll get more into that later. But then in terms of on the road versus up there, I had another upset here. I had up there. That song for me is just, it, it's so like, not mysterious, but I, I just like to listen to it like late at night. For me, it's like, for all these songs, 
all these songs just mentally in my mind, I'm just like picturing something different for me. It's like, it's winter time. It's snowing out there. Everything's just so quiet. And you're just listening to that song. Whereas on the road, it's kind of, it's not like mid, but I mean, it, it's just an average song in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I've listened to it a lot, that's how all these rankings came about. It's good from my Apple music plays. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep going down white Iverson versus blame it on me. White Iverson. I will always remember this song because it is the song that always reminds me of when I went on my, when I went on my first date in high school, this is the song that was popular at the time. Nice. <laughs> first date I ever went on. Backstory. Song played. Yeah. So that's always going to be what it reminds me of. It's a great song. It's well-produced. It's got great vocals on it, but blame it on me. I just feel like it goes hard. It's got great um, bass levels to it. I just think it, just the, that type of song, that prototype just always gets to me. And that one just had to win there in the classic 12 upset of the five seed. And then lastly, in the first round, I'm kind of losing my breath here. Um, I had feel over paranoid. Um, I just feel like. Um, no pun yeah, intended. That song again. <laughs> no pun intended, but I feel like feel is just such a great choice here. And I, I think it's very indicative of a four seed where it, it can it, it feels like it can hang with the big boys and we'll see how far it goes even though you can see you guys can see uh, physically how far it goes <laughs> um so jumping out of the second round I'll, I'll try to speed it up here we're getting on like hour five now uh circles beats yours truly circles is just such a dominant song uh take what you want over deja vu blame it on me over feel again there's just something about blame it on me where it's not a popular song but it's getting hot at the right time. And I've, I've really been listening to it a lot lately. And it's just a song that I can just play and repeat. And it's kind of gets me hyped a little bit. And then up there, again, it's just a beautiful song. I think it's better better than Die For Me, even though I've listened to that more. Um, and yeah, so in terms of my final, I then went with Circles because that song is just amazing. And even though I try to stay out of the mainstream on these choices, Circles is just too good to be beaten. It's a great song. It's a great song. But it does circles in the end because these are my picks and nobody else's. I had Blame It On Me with this current hot streak, winning it over circles as my number one Post Malone song. And okay. I think that's a really bold claim there. Circles is super popular for a reason because it's just, it reminds me of, you know how the Beatles always have their songs that people keep playing over and over. Yes. Pretty much everyone of different backgrounds enjoys that song. I think circles encapsulates that. But um, I think blame it, it on me. It's my it's my choice, damn it, and I'm going with blame it on me. So yeah, yeah I like blame it on me was a good song. It was a good song. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's my pick there. Interesting. Blame it on me. Yeah. All right, Matt, you want to go next? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Mine, mine's probably going to be the biggest uh, the the biggest surprise for Big you guys. Shock. I, I would say yeah. Uh, So mad about Stay not being on there though. I love that song. Ugh. Actually, you can Rip. do a car real quick. You can do a write in. Okay. Here I will uh, I will share mine. All right. So here we go. My post Malone wow. bracket. All right. So uh start out. Uh Circles uh beats too young. I agree with Josh. Circles is an amazing song. Uh yours truly. Um Overtaken shots. I've listened to yours truly probably more. Um, Deja vu over Rockstar. Um, 
I, I really like Rockstar. I like 21 Savage's verse on Rockstar, but Deja Vu um, has one of my favorite Justin Bieber verses on it. And I think Deja Vu, just the aesthetic of that song is brilliant. Um, Big Lie, the 15th seed, taking on Take What You Want, the two seed. Um, I freaking <laughs> love Big Lie. Big, Big Lie is an amazing song. Not to say that Take What You Want isn't. I was high on Take What You Want for a long time, and I still am. But Big Lie beats out Take What You Want. Uh, Die For Me, taking on St. Tropez. Uh, close one, but I got to go with Die For Me just because I love Halsey. She's bae. Um, on the road versus up there. I got to go with on the road. I think little baby killed it on his verse. The production on that song is brilliant. Um, white Iverson taking on blame it on me. I do like blame it on me. Uh, but white Iverson is the first post Malone song I ever heard. And I got to go with that. Exactly. Uh, and then, uh, field taking on paranoid. I got to go with paranoid. I feel like I listened to paranoid more. Um, I'll skip ahead to the final four. It's just, just to speed it up okay. a little bit. Yeah. So my 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 final four, my first matchup was Circles or Big Lie. This one I, I was really struggling over, but Big Lie to me, I feel like I can listen more. I feel like Circles is a very versatile song, but I think Big Lie is even more so just in my per, just in my personal experience. So I got to go with Big Lie and then Die For Me, um, taking on Paranoid. I think the combination of Future and Halsey was one of Post Malone's most genius ideas of his young career so mm-hmm. far. Um, so I, I got to go with Die For Me. And in the championship game, uh, Big Lie, Take It On, Die For Me. Big Lie is my favorite Post Malone song. It is a song that you can do literally anything to. Taking a drive, you can listen to it. Going to a party, listen to it. It's such a chill, laid-back song that also has such an incredible bass line. Big Lie is the truth. Honorable mention to stay, though, apparently. Honorable mention to stay because stay, <laughs> because, because, because stay, stay would beat out Big Lie. Stay, stay so is, that's the real number one. <laughs> stay stay is, 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 a, is a work of art. But Big Lie in this bracket is, is my favorite. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, all right. Now, let's do this thing. Boom. All right, now, I don't have the numbers, and the arrangement may look a little mm-hmm. wacky, but you guys you can see it. You got to get the point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go through all of these just to save us some, save us on some time, but yeah. uh, circles and too young. I got too young. I feel like to me it's a classic. Take what you want in big lie, in big lie. Yes, Dying sir. Me central <laughs> page, central pages. To me, I, both of these were were good songs, but I just I. I feel like how Kyle said about you do like Saint Tropez. Yeah, I that was that song. You definitely like that song. Yeah. Um. Feeling paranoid, I gotta go feel just because I mean I'm a I'm a big fan of Kaylani. I thought that she she added a lot to that song. Um taking shots in your Sue Austin Post. Um taking shots. I just I, I like the the overall feel to it. And yeah, Deja Vu and Rockstar. Uh I agree with what Josh said. I feel that if if we're talking features, Justin Bieber was the better feature. Um in comparison to Rockstar, I'm not a huge 21 Savage fan, um, but I I just like I kind of like the 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 theme more of Rockstar, but I yeah. wasn't too too big on 21 Savage's part. Up there on the road, uh, on the road, I thought uh, Meek Mill and Baby killed their parts and then gave that uh, those features um, a nice cherry on top. And blame it on me and White Iverson. White Iverson is a classic. It's, we all we all love it. We all know about it. But blame it on me just was I don't know. It it was more uh 
more goes hard. Deep. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it it went hard, but it also told a good story too. And I think it, it kind of yeah. gave more substance than White Iverson. Um, so going now, uh, blaming on me was on the road, on the road. Like I said, I just I, I love that song off that album. Uh, Rockstar and taking shots. Gotta go, Rockstar. Um, Saint Tropez and Feel. Saint Tropez. You know what I'm saying? I, the song was hard. Uh, Too Young and Big Lie. <laughs> You feel me? Uh, you sound just like him. <laughs> Pretty sure that was Thank him. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, and then Big Lion Central Pay. Come on now, Central Pay. Easy. Uh, and On the Road and Rockstar on the Road. Now, 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 now. This is a post Malone bracket. This is not a post Malone and features. So this that kind of helped me in the process of choosing the winner. So I gotta go central pay mm-hmm. just because that was fully post Malone and it wasn't any features. So uh yeah. Okay. We all had choices that were just post Malone songs as that's our fair. winners. Exactly. So that's so good. Central yeah. pay, man. That's fair. All right. Central pay had a had a I that that was one of my favorite songs off of Hollywood's Bleeding. Wasn't that's, it the first song off the album my tweaking? No, it's it's like se- it's second. Hollywood's bleeding. It's the oh, first. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, it's second. Was, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, the title track's number one. Let me let, let me let me get your opinion on this, uh, Josh. I I, I, yes. I don't know if you know, but uh, I, I'm a big Sean fan, right? And his last album, he had a feature with Post Malone by the name of Wolves. What what is your opinion on that song? You want my sincere opinion on that song? Yes, sir. I haven't heard that song. <laughs> I know, I know. I so in 2020 in general, I've not been good about listening to new new music. I have listened to a little bit new stuff. Obviously, I get to After Hours, but mm. Don Tolliver's album and just oh, Don Tolliver, Heaven 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 or Hell, and uh, you know, there's I didn't listen to mu- a whole lot of new music this year, and especially not like songs like that where it's 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 a uh, an artist I like, but on another album that. I, wouldn't really listen to i know you guys did a review of it and i feel like i have to listen to it now but yeah wolves that's right yeah yeah, yeah. You know, i'll even do i'll do my whole, homework yeah yeah even if you listen to the whole album just that one song and it's a visual yeah. for it too so okay oh yeah i, I, I heard about that okay yeah, I, that, i'm gonna do my homework i will get back to you on that <laughs> All right, but bad, i bad. guess i'm not a true post true superstar <laughs> post malone fan if i haven't heard all this come on before. josh what the hell what the hell my apologies i i'm not a posty expert but I do have Bud Light running through my piss. <laughs> this this was outstanding. So two hours and fifty four minutes of content. Man, this broke is, a record. Oh, shit. This is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to upload this. Oh. Um, we talked so much about basketball. We talked about um, you know major headliners uh, from this off season. We talked about predictions, and we went through Post Malone, the one of the greatest artists of this generation. So uh, that was awesome. So any 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 final thoughts, gentlemen? Before we exit, man, uh, thank you to our our guests that came. I know, uh, yes, Ronnie. Ronnie had to go, but you know, Josh is still here. Thank you for uh for pulling up to to Area Eleven. And of course, uh, it, it it was it was great having you, man. For our, being it was our first guest, a lot of it was a lot of fun. Thank you both for having me. Um, you know, I had to do it, quote unquote, for the culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> for the culture. And, and um, yeah, I just uh, I can't believe. I don't think it – wait, it wasn't two, 250. It was like two hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two hours. Okay. Even then, that that's a – wow, we went for a while. We and did. I, I could have 
I could have gone into into even more detail on the post Malone bracket, and I think we could have gone into even more detail on a lot of stuff. But there's only so much you can fit to keep people's attention. True, and especially True. when you already go two hours. I think we covered a lot. I think it was a really good time. We did, and yeah. I can't wait to play this back while I'm, uh, you know, ordering shit at Costco. So, <laughs> place sounds, of employment sounds fun to me. All right. Well, yes, it, was, it was good seeing you both. It was it was often talk about that stuff and uh, NBA season tomorrow, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it. Thank you Alrighty. guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. Peace. All right. Bye, guys.